Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making in this crazy biz and how they're almost, almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest has starred on Good Girls, Robot Chicken, Superstore, and has written for Supermansion, Robot Chicken, and more. It's none other than Kyle Kennedy. Hey, man. All right. Last time I saw you was not that long ago, actually. We did that. We shot that Zoom sketch. I feel like that's been like a key thing especially in this business is realizing that I feel like almost all my jobs have come from friends. Yes. And I've always heard that. And the longer I'm in this town, the more I realize that that's absolutely true. So weird that we're getting immediately to that. Cause I was just, I was just thinking about that, about how, um, yeah, people don't like to talk about networking and it's, it's tainted, the tainted word, but really just what it means is like, our, we're social creatures and you know, your network is just the people that know you and trust you and know that you will do a good job and so on and so forth. So, so yeah, jobs come from friends for sure. Exactly. I always found that like networking in the sense of its typical use was always in a way difficult for me because it feels like there's like a seediness or like you're trying to get something from someone truly at some point, especially with acting and even writing and everything you have to switch your mind that it's not networking and you're trying to just make friends do you feel like you've hit a stride or a point where you're comfortable quote unquote networking or just meeting Absolutely. people trying to make friends like how how did that come about well it's not even really a meeting people trying to make friends well i'm always i play i very slowly get you know i mean i, I don't think that's i think that's not unique i think that um relationships just take forever i'm definitely as i've getting older and better at sort of kind of knowing kind of who I would rather not sort of hang out with and kind of deciding what to do with my time a lot more clearly. And, and if there's people that I really enjoy being around and they also happen to be crazy talented and super funny and awesome, and they have their own aspirations that make me feel like I want to level up, then I absolutely will you know, try to hang out with that person more often just to be around, you know, it's like when you play golf, you want to play golf with people who are better than you. That makes sense. I feel like at first the desire is just to network no matter what, meet whoever. And there's some, when you're you're young in this, you're like freaked. It's it's scary. You're like, I don't know what, tell me what to do, please. Somebody, anybody. Yeah. Cause there's wisdom that comes from being like, you shouldn't just hang out and network with anybody. You should network people that are in line with your like <laughs> ideals and like what you want to get out of life more than just this career. But I think actually as a, like, yes. as a human being. Absolutely. And you don't know, I'm just thinking about, I just keep thinking about like when I was first out here and I was going, cause I went to UCLA and I was, but I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I was a theater major, but it's like, what do you do? And um, so I think all of that stuff, hopefully just continues to develop. And hopefully you have, I'm talking about for myself, but I, hopefully I have an awareness that can, I continue to develop and build so that I can feel my way sort of through life, you know? Like what are, I guess for you, like your radar when you're meeting people aside from like, okay, they're talented. I like what they're doing. Is there anything deeper you look for? Yeah, I love, um, I don't mind a curmudgeon. I think curmudgeons are, are hilarious. But if someone is too, if someone very obviously has a real negative point of view, you know, um, mm-hmm. just on life in general, I've, I probably will choose to hopefully not hang out with that person too much because I, I'm, I'm very susceptible to like kind of energy in that way. Yeah, I, I agree. I find it's nice when someone has, in a way, you're looking for someone with a point of view, 
being like, they might be upset or annoyed about one thing, but if they're upset and annoyed about everything, yeah. they're negative about everything, you start to realize like, oh, your perspective, your worldview yeah. is detrimental to my mental state. Like yes. I, I know, I know plenty of people. I know what you mean where you hang out with them and you go, it's fun for a moment when you're like, yeah, everything's kind of shitty. And you realize <laughs> like, I don't want to live in that. I don't yeah. want to feel that way. Like I'm fine to go. I dislike this one thing, but can we also mention the good every now and again? Yes. That's when you realize, oh, this is actually a personality trait that's developed over years for this person. And it's not there. You know, I'm not going to, I don't, I can't dig them out of that hole. <laughs> yeah. That going to be a project. Yeah. In this career, have you had moments where you've kind of created for yourself a definition of success? Yes. So I told my um, life coach recently that, and I've, I got them for like six sessions or something. They're intense. Um, he's awesome. I got him off insight timer. If anyone is like, where do you find a life coach? Insight timer is like my favorite meditation app. And a lot of the people that you can discover on there, you can like book meetings with them and stuff. It's really cool. So I told him, you know, I, for the longest time, what I would define as success was to be respected by my peers. So the people that I think are awesome and hilarious and the best at what they do, um, to be respected by my, by my peers and also to be working on things with my friends and having a great time doing that. So that has been my definition of success. And now I'm altering that a little bit to also say, and I also want to be um, paid very handsomely for it. Mm. Cause I never okay. said that, you know what I'm saying? So right. you got to get and specific. I, I feel like those are kind of great definitions of success because, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh no, I don't want to focus on the money or being paid. And I always think, I mean, don't focus on it to where you lose sight of the friendships and the connection and actually loving what you're doing yeah. in this business, but realize you do bring a value, a monetary yes. value. And, a, you know, this is your skill set. This is what the service you provide. And I don't think there's anything, you know, gross or icky about being like, no, that is part of my success. And I think I'm, you know, it sounds like this life coach did a nice service to you to be like, don't forget to include these other aspects that you probably also want, but you feel like, you know, I think too often we can feel like, uh, it's, you know, undeserving or silly to talk about money, but it's a factor of life. Totally. And I've had my fucked up thoughts of, you know, and beliefs about money and all that kind of stuff. And that's, I think that so many of us do, you know, um, it's such a, it's such a huge force money of, mm -hmm. of, you know, energy and, uh, and it's real, and it's real easy to get twisted on it. And, um, yeah, I kind of assumed, I think that if I was doing the other two things, like, oh, I'm really respected and I, this, then I'll, then the money will be there. And I'm like, well, I guess maybe I'll, I'll ask for it too, just sort of cosmically, you know? So I've been keeping that flow going and not, not living in the scarcity of it, but more the, more of the understanding that I subscribe to that belief that like, it's got to go out to come back in, you know, not to be scared about it, holding on to it so much. I mean, obviously do what you got to do, pay your bills and stuff, but, or when someone's posting about like, you know, trying to get donations for like a charity thing they're doing just to like, I'll always just give them some money, you know? Um, and always just a little more than I think I can afford just to say like money goes out it comes back in, it goes out, it comes right. back in. Especially in the case of, I feel like charities. I feel like it, there's like a unspoken, almost energetic level you get when you're like, mm -hmm. it's a bit, it can be selfless and selfish at the same time. I have no problem with that. When you're like, okay, I'm giving, it's making me feel good, but I know it's a oh, good yeah. thing. Oh, anytime people get in that argument, we're like, well, you know, nothing you ever do is really not selfish. I'm like, well, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it, I mean? Where they're like, even if you give to a charity, it's because you can feel, so you can feel good. I'm like, good. Good. 
What's wrong and with it helps, me? And it also good? helps them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't count. Like, yeah, you're just a, everyone's just a piece of shit who just wants to feel good. Yeah, that's that negative person. <laughs> Feeling good, making other with. people, helping other people. Is that what you're into? Is that your thing? What kind of got you into self-help and self-motivation and stuff? Because I feel like oh, we're kind of peas in a pod in that respect. Yeah. We've talked about it before where it's like, yeah, you just improve, keep striving. Like what, where does that come from? I think that originally, originally it came from me knowing on a deep subconscious level that I was not okay. <laughs> um, and so I would just be like searching for answers of how do I get better? How do I, how do I get better? But it was always like surfacey stuff. I always always had my mind on like, not to turn inward, you know what I mean? Which I've been doing a lot more lately, um, which you kind of have to come to, I think after, you know, you hit your, hit your point and get into therapy and do all that kind of stuff. But I was always just sort of looking for like surfacey stuff. How do I get uh, a better body? How do I get, you know, um, better at this or better at that? And all the self-help stuff is that like, it's really teaching you how to be a better person, be better relationally, mm-hmm. um, be better connected with your fellow humans. So it's just about like leveling up so that you can, so that you can enjoy yourself more with other people. And so, but yeah, but to answer your question, I think it came from a place of just being like, not on a conscious level, but on a, on a, a sub on a subconscious level. Oh, there's something not quite something I need to work on within myself for sure. Yeah. yeah I find that often it does start with the external like things outside yourself, like, oh, that'd be nice. That's Let's what you can that. see. That's yeah. what you can see that becomes more your focus or reality. And then as you improve those things, like, you know, my own fitness journeys and yours, I'm sure where you're like, oh, I feel good in this. And then just like that little tinge where you're like, but I don't feel like I thought I would. And it causes you to go like a little deeper and you just go mm-hmm. like, okay, let's, let's, I've heard things, let's add meditation. And then you do that and you're like, okay, we're getting, we're getting somewhere. And then kind of what you were talking about, not to fall into that trap of thinking that you will arrive eventually. Mm, right. Um, it was a book that I just, I just read uh, recently called uh, The Infinite Game by Simon something or other. Uh, the Infinite Game is all about the finite game versus the infinite game. And basically oh, right. The, I've read that. Yeah. Oh, you've read it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, the finite game is, well, if I get to this, then I'll have one basically. If, so realizing that's like, oh no, the game's never over in any aspect of your life until, until it's for real over. And so just to, just to say, okay, but am I having fun in the moment? Am I having fun progressing towards this goal? Right. I, I believe like the thesis of the book was sort of like almost every game, every aspect of life is a like finite game, except life itself, which is the infinite game. Yeah. Well, it was, it was kind of like saying that like, yeah, the like finite games are like a game of basketball, mm-hmm. you know? but an infinite game is a game of catch. Where you're just like, there's no reason you're doing it. It's just fun. It feels good. What are some moments for you that feel like the infinite game of acting or writing? Okay. So recently um, I've been like, put like shooting sketches and like the one we shot together and uh, putting up on Instagram. I think about the infinite game when I'm creating stuff and putting it up, putting it out there because right now I'm editing, I'm working on this thing um, where I'm like deep diving into trying to figure out how to do this thing and Adobe After Effects because I didn't get insert shots 
I was shooting this sketch with uh, Ron Perlman, humble brag, mm-hmm. and Alison Dunbar and Patty Guggenheim, humble brag. It's uh, in the sketch. He's he's going through these this pack of nude male playing cards, and I didn't have a lot of time with him. So long story short, I didn't get insert shots, and so I wanted to get these cards clean because you got to be able to see these guys and these dongs, you know. Sure. Um, and so I've been like working on after effects to try to insert these shots. And that to me is like the infinite game. It's really fun for me. It's a puzzle I'm trying to figure out. I'm not thinking at all about like, I hope people will like this thing. And once I get closer to like posting it, then I'll be thinking more about that. But I'm not really thinking about like, what is this going to do for my career? Um, Mm. Other than it's cool to be in a sketch with, you know, those three people for sure. If posting things and making videos to you was more like a finite game, you'd be like basketball. You'd be worried about the points Mm -hmm. being viral, being seen, being liked and, as opposed to you're treating it much more like a game of catch. Like you enjoy it. You're throwing it out there. Maybe yes. it gets thrown back. Maybe you, you know, find someone else to play catch with. Like, and it is amazing because we both can look back on the moments where very clearly you're in the mindset of it being like, it needs to become something. It has to improve or help my career. It has to be a stepping stone. And just how less enjoyable it is when you look back on that time. Yeah. And then when you look back on the times where you're like, I didn't care what this was. I was just having such a blast. I was loving it. Even when it's like the, like, like you're saying, like you're going through Adobe and like, you're basically probably like in a small, like little hut by yourself, just like fine tuning things. But like, there's some joy in that aspect where you're like this, maybe no one will even notice the work I've done on this, but I am getting so much from it. Yes. And I, and just having the faith that like, it's it's all for something. It reminds me when you're talking about um, just the pure joy of doing something and not really caring about the outcome of when you and I in Sunday company, I think pitched six or seven in a row bowling sketches just because it like made us laugh that like every week we were going to go up and people were going to be like, again, a bowling sketch. Yeah. We made a pact with each other that we would, cause in Sunday company, you get so like, you're like, I don't know what to do next. We've done everything. And so we made a pact that we would not stop pitching bowling sketches until we got the chance to do one in the show. And then it was a one and done, yeah, <laughs> but it was still one of my favorite experiences. It went, it went away very quick. And I think it only got in to go away. So we'd stop pitching bowling sketches. Like a part of totally, me feels totally. the director was just like, okay, just give it to them. Be done with it. But what yes. was great. I remember we had a whole setup where we actually bowled on yep. stage yep like so great that's where it's that's where it's just the most fun is when you go what you look at each other and you go what are we doing yeah what are we doing just pure play pure play on the opposite side in Senegal, we had one of our at least for me maybe my longest running sketch yeah you're talking about karaoke the karaoke one oh totally yeah that was great that was one of my all-time favorites how and i wrote a sketch where a bunch of people are in a you know having a karaoke night and if you've ever been to one of these, there's always like weird videos that play to every song. They're not the music videos. It's just some weird company that put these videos. And then Kyle and I were like, okay, let's, let's be in one of these songs as two guys. I don't know how you describe them as maybe like Amish serial killers. Like yeah, that's kind yeah. of the look. <laughs> the setup was basically like a party of people come onto, sta- onto the stage and it's set up to look like a karaoke room, like a private room. Mm-hmm. And then we have something at the Groundlings, by the way, is what we're talking about. Daniel and I were in Sunday Company at the Groundlings Theater, which is sketch and improv. And Sunday Company is the top level of the school and you write sketches every week and it's a crazy, awesome process. So in the psych, which is the back wall, you can project video. 
So we had this pre-recorded video that would line up with these songs. And so we had all the tech stuff all figured out. And us as these characters would like be in these videos and they'd be creeping the people out in the room, the people who were on stage. And so we got to just sit in this, in the wings, just hearing the audience and like watching the whole thing and then just pop out at the end. And it was, it was so grat It was gratifying. It was like our work was done. We put in so much work on the front end and we just got to enjoy it. And it's also very, it was very nice because like you said, typically in a sketch, live sketch, you are on stage, you're hearing the laughs, you like it, but you're in the sketch. You got to mm-hmm, still be like, mm-hmm. and we got to just be on the side, like, yeah, this pumping high, quietly high-fiving. I know. Just like, truly. Cause like, you can't do that on stage as much as no. you want to, when a sketch is killing, <laughs> as much as you want to pause and go, this is great. Uh, they won't Everyone agrees, it. right? We all agree. <laughs> this is great. Do you have personal moments where you felt, quote unquote, like you've made it or you've hit a personal milestone? Yeah, I mean, getting into the groundlings was a, a big milestone, obviously. So that was a that was a great moment where I felt like I accomplished something big, but I didn't feel like I made it in the industry. Another big thing that happened was, you know, I booked a, a role, a substantial role on a movie um, called Lazy Susan with Sean Hayes and uh, who's a become a friend and he's incredible and kind of a, and a mentor of sorts. And then Margot Martindale and Alice Janney's in it, just all these amazing people, Jim Rash, Darlene Hunt wrote it with Sean Hayes and um, Carrie Aisley. So a couple some groundlings folks too. And that felt, you know, that felt like a huge accomplishment, but I still didn't have any feelings of like, oh, well, it's going to be smooth sailing from here. This isn't, this is going to be, you know, I got it now. I got it. But I feel like there is that thing of, maybe never in this business or most businesses maybe where anyone feels fully like we're good. Yeah. We're fine. Like, and that's where if I can shift my mindset into like, well, it's the infinite game. So it's okay that it's not the finite game that you don't feel like you've arrived. You know, it's like, how do you continue to shift and, and still allowing myself to be like, it's all right. If I feel a little bummed out about whatever, whatever. It's a tricky thing. It's like, I feel the reason I can stick with it and you and so many other of our friends is that we truly enjoy it. Like at the end of the day, you've got to make sure you enjoy this. You like it because there's plenty of times where it's not fun and it's a slog. (sighs) So much self-doubt. I mean, it's crazy amount of self-doubt. Yeah. And then the other shift is what's nice. And it's, I know happens for a lot of us where when you see your friends or people that you kind of know or people that you don't even like start to do well or book stuff or get stuff. There's a shift from being like upset about it to being joyous. And you go Mm -hmm. like, this is great because you go, if people are signing off on these people that I've signed off on years ago as a friend, Mm. as a, as a collaborator who I've already been like, I'm working with you. I think you're great. And other people you go, well, the reverse is possible. And you just Mm go, oh, people will eventually be like, oh yeah, this person. I describe it as just be, just be consistently decent. Be a decent mm-hmm. human being, be decent mm-hmm. at what you do. And eventually people will go, yeah, let's work with that person. I say that too. I, I, I say like, have some talent. You kind of got to start with some talent, I think, you know, and then develop your skills as much as you can. Be willing to stay, stick with it for the long, for the long haul. And be like, be like a cool person to be around and hang out with. And, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and like do your work and make, have people know that you're like a good hard worker and you're a good person. What has helped you kind of create your like, or have your creativity keep going in a world where we probably were not auditioning as much, working as much. And yeah, I don't know about you. I felt those moments where I go, what am I doing right now? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, it's just been really just like shooting little videos um, and editing the videos. That's really kept my 
creativity going and writing. And I'm doing a fair, a fair amount of writing as well and reading. So I'm like reading friends scripts and giving some notes and stuff. And that's always sharpening my skills and collaborating as much as I can with other people, because that's, it's way more fun to enjoy uh, something you're working on if someone else is involved. Mm-hmm. And so I try to do that as much as I can. Like, yeah, let's all, let's all have fun. Let's all, that's kind of a part of my personality. I just, I just took a personality test and found out I'm an INFJ, which is a, a very rare, very fucked up personality. <laughs> it's yeah. Fucked up, but it's, it's very, this strange. is like it's the Myers-Briggs. One. Yeah. It's the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. So it's a very yeah. fun test to take. It is very fun. And it is, t- it's telling you're like, oh yeah. And it made me feel like, oh, thank God. Cause I don't, it's like, I always thought I was a little different. It, it turns out that INFJ is actually like 1% of people. It's very, very rare. And that makes me feel like, oh, that's kind of cool, but it's not necessarily cool. It's like, <laughs> some, like major, some problems with it because then you sometimes have a harder time being like, does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, you know? you have, you have moments where you're like, oh, I'm unique. I'm different. Is this why no one's hanging out with yeah. me right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, because like, like one of the specific aspects of, of, of like an INFJ is that they can like, they can go, they go love to go really deep and they love to talk a lot about anything and just like really i'm not anything but like they go really deep on things and i get to the point where with people where i can tell like they're like i don't <laughs> checked out dude i don't want to explore every single angle of this so it's it's good for writing i think and being creative but sometimes i have to like i literally like pull back on like patty my girlfriend you know i'll be like i'm gonna choose i don't have to tell her everything that comes into my mind that i want to <laughs> talk about yeah i feel like you're someone who definitely can get into like almost like an a topic of interest and get into the minutia of it yeah in whatever field like if all of a sudden someone's like oh check this thing out you'll be like oh (laughs) like if it's something that you are interested in i'm not saying every topic you're not just gonna be like whatever this is i'm looking into (laughs) it but you've been someone who's definitely like i've read all this stuff on this i've researched this and then you Uh can be like you know you get amped about you get pumped about it yeah i get totally Um, pumped I'm definitely, I might not be to that level, but I could definitely be there on certain topics where I'm just mm-hmm. like, let's get into it. Like, what mm-hmm. is this? How does this work? <laughs> um, I'm sure to the ad nauseum of people in Sunday company, we were, we were talking about like fascias and like how to work out <laughs> aspects of your body. That you're like, what Some are they talking like, about? Yeah, I, that's the thing is I heard, I heard enough people over the years go make a comment in a loving way, but it's sort of like, what is Kyle doing this week? Or what is he talking about now? And then, so finally, when I did that personality test, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Do they not want to hear my computations? Probably with that style, it does bode well for, you know, you can enjoy the group activities, but you can also excel at the solo activities, like the writing. Mm -hmm. I also Mm -hmm. know you're someone who can really get into the editing. The like Mm -hmm. fine tuning, the figure, like you're figuring out Adobe right now to figure out how to do these. And so there's plenty of people would be like, Ah, like the second someone says try it. to do that they just shut down they just go i don't yep. want to learn it or I don't know a, it. yeah yeah um and, and to me i'm like i and i think part of it is like i'm like wouldn't it be cool though if i could figure it out yeah like that skill that almost no one else has or can do you know i found in in college going through like the film program i really just enjoyed moments when i could just be like in an editing bay and just mm-hmm. kind of like moving things around because i was just like you know what like That's i don't introvertedness know too. what this will do do or if i'll get into this but in a way knowing how to edit helps you edit your writing helps you see the pictures like i think i can visualize a scene easier because i can picture the shots and the cuts and i can be like oh 
Like someone might read something like that's good. I'm like, you don't understand when we punch in on that and we move to that, mm-hmm. it's going to be hilarious. Like mm-hmm. you get a more visual scope of the world. Yeah. You get to add jokes in the editing and the timing. It's all rhythmic. It's all music. So, and then that's a big part of uh, the, the, the introversion too. Is like, yeah, I mean, I, I love being with my friends. I love going out and stuff, but sometimes just spending 10 hours in a room <laughs> working on something by myself is pretty choice. I feel like there's also something nice with that, especially with writing, at least I find, where you just go, it's in a safe haven right now where nobody else's critical eye or thought is involved. And you can just write, you create, you can judge it, you can love it, whatever. But mm-hmm. it's, it's in this like, like almost just for you moment, like that special mm-hmm. moment, like before you put something online, before you send it out, where you just go, I made this, I did this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it, that's what it can make it so, uh, make that sort of... Um splash of cold water to the face when you do open it up and you do send it to someone or you do it's like oh here we go opening the nerve right but it's crucial i feel like i mean we probably know so many people who are leagues ahead of us in talent and brilliance that don't finish things that don't create things Mm -hmm. because of the fear of the judgment or the nerves or trying to make perfection which will never happen and i'm someone who's like just you gotta do it. You gotta finish it. You gotta yeah. put it out there. You just gotta I have a real perfectionist tendency too. So I feel that tug and I, I just have to literally barrel my way through it uh, every day. Every day I'll feel something rugged. Every day, at least once, I'll be like, oh, that's that perfectionism a little bit popping up and I'll just kind of do it anyway, you know? Right. Well, speaking of the perfectionist tug, I feel like it's <laughs> it's time to, to bring out the special guest of. The insult comic Raz Clifford. Oh, that's great. To, to bring, you know, he likes to bring the guests down just like a little yeah. peg, just to I keep know this them guy. humble. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and, and bring bring Raz out here to go ahead and get Kyle. Hey, Raz. Oh, hey, everybody. It's Raz Clifford. Oh, Hi, wow. Raz. It's Kyle Kennedy. And in case you were wondering, listeners, he has zero relation to the famous Kennedys but we do hope he still has that Kennedy curse. <laughs> Come on. Don't let us down. I'm sure you can tell by the timber of his voice. Cows are real. He wants me to hunk. die. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't want you around on this planet. Uh-huh. Kyle is a real hunk, a hunk of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to give the listeners a picture, he has the looks and charm of a handsome serial killer. Kyle would be right at home in an asylum because he's a psychopath. Now, also, if you follow Kyle on Instagram, you'll know he's posting a lot of videos of him going for runs, but he never gives the people what they want, which is him running off a cliff. Oh, so sorry, Kyle. I had to raz you, buddy boy. Uh, All right. If you you ever see me, just walk the other way. I don't want to interact with you at all. All right. See you, Raz. Thank you. Hi, Raz. Raz wanted me to die. Yeah, he tends to he want wants a, me lot to of, die. a lot of guests to die. Do you think he has a like, do you think it's there's some some stuff going on there where he's he's uh, he's got some inferiority stuff going on? It could be. I feel like maybe it's just sort of like he's seen what you've had to offer and he's good. He's, pr- he's good on it. He's good on it. And he's, you know, with a lot of the guests, I think he's just like, wouldn't the world be sweeter without these people? It's yeah. kind of what he tells me. He wants to thin the, thin, thin the herd. Thin the herd. When, and, you know, he'll say to me, he's just like, oh, God, you're still here. Meaning, like, I'm still alive. Like, not mm. just like I'm visiting. He's just like, oh. That's when you're this. doing your, uh, you're doing the Green Goblin thing in the mirror. 
Exactly. For those of you who don't know, Daniel is also Rex Clifford. I don't yeah, know if, if you I haven't would. figured that out from the expert <laughs> change in my voice. I would love, can we do a shot for shot remake of you and Raz Clifford doing the Green Goblin scene? Oh man. Or mirror. like Smeagol and Gollum. Yes. You know, just the same kind of idea. Two, we're both two sides of a coin. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Andy Serkis is amazing. He's incredible. Wasn't but he, he also, he was in um, Planet of the Apes, right? Wasn't he Caesar? Oh yeah, yeah. God, he killed I mean, it as Caesar. I mean, he's, he's so the good. go-to mocap person. Like it's he's just his just, face, right? His face is just so expressive. It's so expressive. He just has it mastered. It's it's great. So I feel sometimes I tell people, it's like I I you can't teach a face. You can't teach the muscles of the face, the genetics of a face that can emote. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That can literally like literally the way your face is made and the way that the muscles in your face move. Yeah, is important. And I feel like that's another aspect of it where it's like almost like you can look at to what other people have done to be like, Oh, that's interesting. But you don't ever try to think you're going to follow their path perfectly mm. or model it. Yeah. Cause what they do is what they do. And the sooner yeah. you can kind of lock in and figure out your style or what you bring to the table. Like, I think you were very good at that in, in Sunday and Sunday and going through the groundlings. I was like, Oh, Kyle has a very good lock on what makes him funny. I'm glad you said, I mean, it's funny though. Don't you think that it's cause you I've people have said that to me too. Um, like I remember in Sunday company, I was, someone said that to me, um, I think Tim, and I was like, well, tell me what it is then. Cause I don't like, you don't, you can't see yourself. You know, you just, all you know is you're just trying to be funny and do funny stuff, mm-hmm. and, but then someone else can look at you and go, oh, you do this, you do this, you do that. And I go, I guess I do do that. Have you had moments actually, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but where you've thought maybe not acting in writing or a thought of like, what would be another career path or you no. always been like, this is the one. No. And I, I know. And it's such a weird no, I never, I've, I've had fantasies, but they never have any weight to them. Like they, they're like how, like, you know what I mean? They're just sort of like musings right? where you go, like, well, what if I wasn't interesting doctor? to, yeah, yeah. I mean, even some, way simpler than that. Um, like what if I was working in a factory and went bowling on the weekends, you know? Um, I, and now with I, this job, you can go bowling on the weekdays. <laughs> right yeah exactly i know this job is like great it's i mean it's a double-edged sword it's like you can never not you you never relax too much because you you never know what's gonna happen no there's that i don't know i mean what's i want to know i'm curious your answer to this but i don't know what it is it's like i don't know if it's an obsession or it's like but since i was a kid i feel like i mean i did my first play when i was in like third grade or something and i got like a good review and it fucked me i think because in a way, because this is another great uh, book for, for the listeners, if they're interested in like self-helpy kind of stuff. Mindset, it's called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And it's all about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. It's kind of a nice little pairing. Another great the inf- Infinite game and the, fi- and the fixed game. Yeah, mm-hmm. a finite game. So mindset, I feel like that one review, because I've done a lot of like thinking about all this stuff in my life and, and, that, and, the, and that, that one review kind of effed me in a way, because basically what the person was saying was this kid is really talented, really talented. And so then I sort of, I think kind of felt like, as opposed to working hard, which I still did work hard, but I was much more kind of how you're talking about, like that idea of like, people should discover me because I'm incredible and I shouldn't have to like reach out to my friend who I know is, you know, co-producing this thing because I just auditioned for this or whatever, you know, because I, people should just kind of know, right. like this reviewer when I was in third grade knew how can everyone else be like him. (laughs) And so I think it kind of set me on like a weird path a little bit, but also I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I, I feel 
yeah, I, I feel very compelled to do this to, and even more and more that like the longer I'm here and the, and the more time goes by, the more kind of, I've been thinking about this recently, sort of like desperate, but in a good way, desperate is a really negative connotation, mm-hmm. but I do feel a sense of urgency and sort of desperation in a healthy way. I think where I feel like, come on, let's go. I'm, I'm so ready and excited to just work on things and make things that are awesome and fun and like collaborate with fun people. And like, I just am so hungry for more and more and more of that. And so, mm-hmm. but the short answer to your question, no, I haven't really ever, ever considered leaving. Even when I left and went home for a while after college, I knew I was going to come back to Los Angeles. That's gotta be a nice thing to kind of have in your, in your pocket of like, this was something I've always been, you know, pushed for and drive and like had an ambition and drive for it's a pull it's a weird pull that you can kind of, i can just feel like i'm like i'm on this track that I, I can't quite get off of i don't want to but i just it's sort of like it's beyond me you know yeah i do what, have what, moments where i go yeah, like yours? well when i was really little when i was a kid i i always wanted to be a doctor mm. um and i don't really think it was i think it was because i knew there was prestige to it i think i knew there was like oh yeah doctors are respected like i i think i knew it came with that without really realizing what the work was or what it really <laughs> yeah. entailed and you know there's a part of me that thinks like maybe different life i think i was i'm smart enough to have made it through medical school and be mm-hmm. a doctor but then at some point i started telling jokes in class and getting laughs mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know making not just my peers but the teachers laugh and realizing like oh i don't think i'm just like a funny person i think i'm like actually good at this because at I that point see- you said you said i can either be okay i can either be patch adams mm-hmm. or i can't you can either ro- double roll it up into the doctor work or you can just go the route of entertainment just entertainment yeah you know now when you put it like that i probably should have gone the patch Adams <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I, I think like you, it just hits a point where there's just like this kind of undeniable pull where you're like, I, I can't quite explain it, but I, this is, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and what mm-hmm. I love to do because there is this thought we live in a world where it's like, yeah, part of me, like there are so many other career paths, quote unquote, that are easier or that seem easier or more, I guess, like in a way fixed where like you get this degree or this job and suddenly you're working in that field and that's what you do. And it's like, part of me goes like, I guess it'd be nice if my brain thought like that, or that was my desire just for a stability or yeah. what we call stability or security. And then I go, I know I would, I'd be miserable. I know yeah. deep down, I wouldn't be as beneficial to myself in society. Yeah. Like I'm a much better person for what I'm pursuing and doing because I'm pursuing and doing it. Definitely. And what, what you, I know I get caught in that too sometimes where I go really like comedy or whatever it is like is this really important and then you go no it is it really is I mean there's moments where these these uh, vets came and saw a show at the Groundlings and um, they were like younger I mean younger than me you know like early 20s and stuff and some of them had like missing limbs or missing eyes or and they were sitting in the front row they laughed their fucking asses off and we went to the lobby and greeted them and as I was I had to leave because I was breaking up, you know, just like crying because it felt so, they said we hadn't laughed like that since we, you know, deployed basically. And mm-hmm. it was just like too much to take in. And those moments don't happen all the time, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But you do, but we both heard like many times, like, thanks. I really needed that. Like I needed that show. I needed that laugh, you know? And so you realize like, oh, if I'm like you said, like uh, our jobs on this earth, I believe are to 
are to be our, the best versions of ourselves. So in order to help our fellow humans, um, be the best versions of themselves. And so this is the thing I'm the absolute best at, you know, because, because I put in so much time and because, um, I think what you were talking about when you said, Oh, I started realizing there was some value to the jokes I was making in class. That's that kind of exchange where you go, Oh, you can't really beat that feeling. We're like, you're the thing that you're doing. That seems to be working pretty well. You're getting back laughter or good feelings or goodwill or people being like, Oh, that was great. Or that was hilarious. Like, well, what more is there than that? I mean, if that's, if you can do that, then that's probably what you should be trying to do as much as possible. Absolutely. Now, have you ever thought, and I guess I'll put you on the spot on this, uh, being on a late night talk show as a guest sometime in the near future, do you have like a story that you'd want to tell? The one that comes to my mind is um, uh, I was driving for Lyft, okay? Um, and I loved it. I mean, if you ever want to really like get, you know, get some character ideas or hear some stories, it's the best. It's the best. You, you meet all kinds of people and it's, fasc- it's fascinating and sometimes a little scary and gross. So there was this guy, I, I picked him up he sat in the passenger seat for some reason. I don't remember why it doesn't doesn't happen that often. And he was just talking, kind of talking, talking, talking. And it was a pretty short ride, but he was just talking about kind of weird, interesting stuff, like (laughs) not interesting, but sort of mundane, actually. Like he was talking about how he had like sort of, there's a regular place where he goes and eats burgers and he gets beers and stuff, but he had a stomach ache. And so he um, got so he only drank a beer one day and he was, anyway, he was just kind of telling me like random stuff. This uh, guy sounds like an INFJ. He definitely <laughs> does. Uh, that's the kind of conversations I like to have is like stomach problems mm-hmm. and beers and hamburgers. And yeah, I was into it. I was big time into it. I was, I would have been taking notes if I weren't, you know, two hands on the wheel, 10 and two. And so anyway, we're driving and he's just talking, talking, talking. And then finally I go and I, I pull over to, to drop him off. And then Clocks, the, the classic Coldplay song, Clocks comes on the radio. Beautiful song. So he's, he's about to get off, but then Clocks comes on and he just stops. And he says, ah, this song, this song was playing a lot when my wife and I were going through our divorce. And I was like, oh man. And he said, but then we got back together. And I said, oh, that's great. And then she died. <laughs> I said, oh my God. I said, what a, what a roller coaster. And he said, it has been Opened the door, went head first to get out, farted, froze in the doorway. And I just heard him say, sorry about that. And then exited the car and closed the door. Well, yeah, you took him on the drive, but he took you for a ride. He took me for a real ride. I mean, he fucked with my head. Yeah. I mean, every time I hear clocks now, I think of, sorry about that. My wife died, a divorce, roller coaster. You know, it's, it all flashes back. Beers, stomach problems. That's always like so amazing how quickly familiar some people can get. Mm-hmm. Like and what the power of, like you were saying, of comedy and, and even music where he had to stop and fill you in on what that song meant to him. Yes. And then he takes you on this ride of like, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. And then he closes out on a <laughs> fart. Punctuated it. Yeah. And you go... Godspeed, sir. That's life, baby. You did put a button on it and literally a butt. It was, I mean, it was right in my face. It was like, I don't know. It seems, you know, geometrically impossible, but it was, he was kind of like, it was almost like he like put, went head out, but then as his head was going out of the car, he went back further with his backside and let one rip. And, uh, 
and it was great. But yeah, you're right. Everyone needs to connect. Everyone wants validation. I always, whenever I teach improv, I always say, you know, if you're on stage and you can't think of what your character wants, just want, just want the other character on stage to like you. Mm. And, and the audience will feel that. And we all understand what it feels like to want someone to validate you and like you, because that's what we're doing basically every day, all day. Uh, and then another takeaway is if you're ever taking a Lyft or Uber, sit in the passenger seat. Don't sit in the back seat because that's where the magic happens. <laughs> that's right. Get right up in there. Yeah. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being on this podcast. This thanks for having me, Daniel. Great. So everyone, you know, thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous.